there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and review or share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in to season two of Living the Sky Life. My guest today has such a positive attitude and she has become such an inspiration to me and I'm sure many other parents who are raising children on the autism spectrum. So let me share a little bit more background about Amy. Amy Schleter and her husband, Jim, are parents to Hannah, who's 25 years old, and Alex, who is 24 years old. And Alex was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. She spends her time helping Alex navigate the world of young adults with special needs and cultivating his unique talent as an artist. She has come to love sharing her story as a mom of an older child on the autism spectrum. She, Jim, and Alex live in Northwest Iowa. So please enjoy my conversation with Amy as we dive into Alex's artistic talent, her blogging recently, and all the things with raising a child who is now an adult with autism. I feel so humbled to be able to talk to yet another autism mom that I've met through um, some of the other social media groups that I've joined. It's one of the reasons I started this podcast was to try to meet parents of children that are 18 and older so that I kind of know what the next road is going to look like for us. Um, So I am thrilled to talk to Amy Schleter today. Um, So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm humbled to be here. So thank you. (laughs) Well, it's, it's definitely um, an honor for me. I know a little bit about your family and about um, your son, Alex, just through the posts that I've seen and some of the beautiful writing that you've done um, and his website. So I want to get into all of those things. Uh, But for the listeners who um, aren't familiar with you or your son, Alex and your family, could you share a little bit about Alex? I know he's 24 now. So you don't have to go way, way back unless you want to, to his diagnosis and all of that. But um, I think it'd be interesting for the listeners to hear what what he's like now at, as a 24-year-old and some of the things you've overcome over the years with his diagnosis. Sure. Um, yes. Alex is 24 and he was diagnosed at four. And so 20 years ago, um, as you can imagine, it was very different then. So our journey has been very much a fly by the seat of your pants operation. And (laughs) he, um, Alex, just to kind of give a background, Alex was never nonverbal. He was verbal, but not able to voice his needs. And um, that took a while to emerge. So we worked through that. Um, but he was, he went to school. He ultimately went through a lot of life skills and that's where as in his older years, he went through a ton of life skill training because we had pretty much abandoned the academic route with him because we knew that wasn't where he was going to be going to college, having a big career, those kinds of things. So we focused on life skills through high school And, um, he now, um, he's very verbal now, 
not a big conversationalist, but he's very verbal and able to voice his needs and concerns. Um, so he is able to live somewhat semi-independently in our basement, in our lower level. He has his own little setup with a mini kitchen, not a stove, but he has a refrigerator and a microwave and a little pantry. And so he can kind of tend to his own eating needs um, on, a, on somewhat of a level. And then he just hangs out down there. He's got his computer set up. He's got his TV, his room. So we, he lives down there. And of course we are right here to oversee things. He, um, but he has gotten to that kind of a stage where he is able to do a lot of things independently. So um, he lives with us here um, and he is, we're still doing our thing and he's trying <laughs> to do more of his thing, so. That's fantastic though, that that set type of setup could be managed for all of you guys, for him to have, like you said, independence and have kind of a life of his own, but you guys are just, you know, a stair step away um, from anything that he might need. And it gives you and your husband an opportunity to have somewhat of a, you know, a life again and marriage and do things you guys want to do. So that's, that's awesome. I welcome yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, it's been um, a win-win situation and I don't know, um, I want you to lead the questions and stuff, but it's, we've toyed with, you know, what do we do? Should he be out in a community living setting? Should he have uh, a place of his own where we have tons and tons of supervision or what? And truthfully, we just aren't there yet. We love having him at home and I'm not ready to throw him out to the wolves, so to speak. He's so good at so many things, but when it comes down to it, we can all appreciate this. He's just vulnerable. He can't self-advocate well enough. Um, uh -huh. And we, I'm not ready to do that yet, whether that's good, bad, or otherwise, I don't know. I'm just not there yet. So yes, we have the best of both worlds right now. I think that's smart. Now, does he drive? No. Okay. No. And it's not even a desire of his. He uh, doesn't, but truthfully, he does not have the um, reflexes, the quick thinking uh -huh. to, to do defensive driving or anything like that. So no. Yeah. And that's a huge thousands of pound machine, you know, to, to have a panic situation and not know what to do. So, right. Yeah. I, <laughs> that would not be something that I would encourage, you know, for Skylar for sure. Um, but you know, everyone's a little bit different on that. So, um, yeah. I'm just curious if he had means to get around. Um, now, you know, just kind of jumping ahead because of his age of 24, um, and you guys are in Iowa. So did you start looking into, um, day programs or employment opportunities when he turned 18 or 19, just knowing that I'm assuming that services and traditional services end for you guys at the age of 22 in, in Iowa also? Yes, there's a little bit of a convolution to the story because um, real briefly, Jim took early retirement from corporate America and so we lived in Chicago suburbs. We had lived in Seattle and then we moved to Chicago for the last few years of Alex's high school. So we've kind of done it different states, but we were in the Chicago area. So we were in Illinois when okay. he was doing high school and finishing there. And um, then 
we, he had the post high school, they had a life skills program. So those things for us were incredible as far as preparing him and us for a little bit of what lies ahead. So we didn't really look for services outside of the school district until we moved to Iowa. So I don't know what they would have had if he'd still been in high school or in the after high school um, programs up to 22. That's when we moved him here, our, our family here to Iowa. So when we got here, um, this is kind of a unique situation. We started right away trying to find adult services, uh, what was offered. We really kind of live in the middle of nowhere. We're kind of in a, we're in a more rural area. Um, all the services you would ordinarily need for everyday life. But when it came to special services, it was a little bit waiting list, that kind of thing. Not that there wasn't. So we started going through the road to get him into adult services based on his autism. And so that proved we got to a stopgap where there was going to be a waiting. We don't know. We've got you. We love you, but we don't know when there's going to be anything, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So we we're like, okay. But she said, um, let me get you in touch with, she said, does Alex have any other diagnoses? So this is kind of important for people to hear because I had no idea. And I said, well, yeah, I said, he's got anxiety. Um, and ADHD. And she said, well, the anxiety will let me transfer you over to the Iowa Department of Mental Health because the, the anxiety is a mental health diagnosis. So that's where we went. And we were immediately uh, into services because it was a, we used his quote unquote, his mental health diagnosis to get him into adult services because he was already um, we can talk about that at another time if you want, but he was already, you know, he's disabled and we're his guardians. So he had the disability diagnosis or uh, on his records with the state of Iowa, but the anxiety diagnosis is what got us into services. In those services that you got that direction um, and in using, utilizing, I shouldn't say using, utilizing that diagnosis, um, were they the same things he would have gotten? Um, once the wait list came up, were they a little different? I truthfully don't know the answer okay. to that. Um, but he does the the young adults that he um, is with. Um, I don't know their diagnosis. Some of them seem relatively typical, but maybe a little slow. And some of them may have autism. I don't know. There's all kinds of different diagnoses. I wouldn't doubt it if there's other. Um, autism people in there. But I, I truthfully don't know the answer to that question. I can only assume with the small population we have here that they would have had to intersect somehow. Yeah. But we went through another door. Yeah, that's, I guess what I was getting at is like, it's just, that's the whole thing. Um, and why these interviews are so important um, that I, I can do with you guys and finding out all this information, because I wouldn't have even thought to go that route and chances are good. Like you said, they probably intersect and it's just crazy to me how so much red tape and if people don't know the right questions to ask or the right things to do, you can roundabout way, get your, you know, young adult, the exact same services and the same programming, just not using the word autism. I'm sure you remember back when our kids were diagnosed, you know, oodles of time ago that 
we couldn't get services without the official autism diagnosis. So the PDD NOS diagnosis that we all seem to get initially was great, but they would say, you can't really get on these waivers. You can't really get these therapies. You can't really do any of these things without the official autism diagnosis. Then we get the diagnosis and a lot of insurance companies say, well, we don't cover autism. So we always had to put developmental delay or intellectual disability or something else, some other coding to get services. So I feel like, you know, as parents, we're constantly chasing our tail and the labels are not important and then they're important and the right ones, you know, lead you to better paths for services. Uh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. When I, when Alex was, diagnosed. I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, but the doctor said, well, we can do PDD NOS or we can do autism. And I didn't know a lot, but I knew enough uh-huh. <laughs> to say, uh, you put autism on that because that <laughs> that's our, that's our window into services. That's that mm-hmm. opens our door. And so that's what I did then. Um, so yes, I totally agree with you. And, um, it, it was, it, it was different. And we also, as you probably know, we had one diagnosis. It was autism. We didn't have five different things with the autism. We didn't have anxiety, ADHD, speech, uh, you know, all the different diagnoses that come up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, they just said autism. And then from there you fought for services, you know, to get speech, to get occupational therapy, to get those things. Because now I think if you have those diagnoses, it's a, hopefully it's a little easier for these parents to get services for their kids, but anyway. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned um, about guardians and we're actually in the process of, um, I'm filling out all of the social security stuff for Skylar, his 18th birthday is in April. Um, They said we can start that process. We just can't file anything until his birthday, but at least a month ahead, we can start doing all of the submissions and stuff. And Mm -hmm. then the guardianship process, we're, you know, working on that as well um, for the day he turns 18 to then have the judge deem us as his guardians for life. And that's, that's a whole nother process. So with Alex being verbal, do you guys have a guardianship with him or power of attorney? Yes, yes. And yes, um, we have um, all of it. Uh, we can do, cause he cannot make his own well-informed decisions on things there's uh we haven't had the testing for as an adult for the intellectual disability yet that's going to come in a couple years when he we're on a waiting list so but he did go before the judge and he did verbalize you know the things that the judge asked him and i actually (laughs) This is a side fact, but we were in court. And of course, Jim and I are nervous too, because we want things to go well. It's very obvious that Alex can't act on his own behalf. He can't (laughs) self-advocate, but you never know if he has a good day and he answers the question just correctly. He's going to be like, oh no, he's fine. Um, But anyway, so he was asking Alex all these questions and he just kept looking to me for the answer. And I would try to tell him, you know, you can tell him this. And the judge just admonished me. He's like, let him talk. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm so sorry. But it was Alex being Alex. He wasn't like it. 
on the outside, it could have looked like uh, this lady's coach and her son. It's like, no, he was trying to get reassurance that he could answer for himself, you know, that he could give the right answer. He just was not sure. So anyway, yeah, we went before the judge and um, Alex had to give yes, no answers and stuff. And it, it all went very well, but it's, it is, it's, it is nerve wracking. Yeah. I just wondered if he, um, I know you had mentioned, you know, he's, he's quite verbal and um, his wants and his needs and he, you know, can carry on conversations with you guys. Since Skylar is nonverbal, um, our attorney said, you know, chances are, especially during COVID right now, we may end up doing a, um, a, like a zoom hearing um, where we don't even have to go into the courtroom and he may or may, the judge may or may not need to see Skylar or, you know, want to see him. Even if he did, you know, Skylar can't respond to any of the questions. So it would pretty much be open and shut. It still hurts my heart a little bit, um, and I'm sure I'll be really emotional the, the actual day that the hearing happens, because you know we're essentially saying you're unable to make all these decisions for yourself, and we are going to be now instead of mom and dad, everyone's going to call us like you know his guardian when we go to doctor's appointments and things. I've heard other parents say it's sad because you're your title changes. People say, you know, when you enter an appointment, um, are you his guardian? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm his mom too. I'm his guardian, but I'm his mom. And I didn't know if Alex understood what was happening. I mean, had a conversation with you guys, or if you talked to him about the reasoning for going to that appointment and and doing that for his benefit. We, We went over it and we told him that it was so that we could always be able to take care of him and always be able to help his needs. That was about the extent of what um, he understood, I believe. But every once in a while, he would come up around that time because you never know what they're thinking and you don't know what Skylar's thinking either. But all of a sudden he would say, but I wanna live with you forever. So something in there was clicking with him that um, things were changing. But um, so we explained it, but I have to say we haven't had any issues with that kind of thing. Um, people have always just treated me like, okay, mom, come back with, you know, come back. But they do want to know if we're his guardian so that they can talk, but it hasn't been devaluing me as, a, as his mother. It's just been, okay, mom can you do, can you sign for him or does he need to kind of atmosphere? Um, so I haven't had any bad experiences, but we haven't had a lot of, especially with other people, we haven't had a lot of medical incidents where like, Oh, Whoa, you know, can you come into this? We haven't had that. He's been very healthy. So we haven't had a lot of obstacles. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I I mean, I, I'm really trying hard to have discussions with Skylar about everything all the time um, at, uh, you know, at his 17, 18 year old level and not talk down to him or dumb it down, you know, just to make sure he knows exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, Cause I know he's understanding everything that we're saying. So I uh-huh. just don't, because he can't speak up on his own behalf. I don't want him to think we're just doing all of these things to him and not, you know, allowing him to understand the process and be told about what's happening. So mm-hmm. I think it's still important that we do that. So very, very much so. Yeah. Um, did, 
did I read somewhere uh, on one of the, the blogs, does Alex have a job a couple of days a week or does he still do work for the car dealership or something as well? Yes. And that was Yay. another service that we were able to get through, you know, his, we have a, an agency here in Northwest Iowa called Hope Haven and they, they are the ones that found him a little job and it's little it's um, but it's perfect for what we need thankfully Alex doesn't need to make money on his own to uh -huh. support himself but he they found him a little job at this car dealership they called and asked if he would be interested in doing work after hours for custodial type work at the car dealership and for Alex, that's perfect. He doesn't want to be around a bunch of people. He doesn't mm -hmm. like noise. He doesn't like chaos. So this was perfect. It's very task oriented. He's the garbage dude. He does. He changes <laughs> out. All, he, he changes out all the garbages and then he hauls it all out to the big dumpster. And it really only takes him an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes at the very most each time he goes. So I just sit in the car. It's very simple. It's very little, but it gets him out. He's interacting with his peers and he's uh -huh. also taking direction and following direction and making sure he follows through and he loves it. He loves well, knowing, it. Knowing our kids. I mean, I think anything that they can do independently, they take such pride in. I'm sure he loves his job, no matter what he's doing. And he's so proud of himself for doing such a good job. You know, mm -hmm. that goes so far. <laughs> it's so worth yes. it. You know, um, I may be talking out of turn, Lori, here. I don't mean to. But um, one thing that is interesting for all of you out there that may be going through this transi transition into adulthood and getting Social Security disability income or just social security for most of our kids because they never worked they're only eligible for ssi but every time um for alex we didn't know that we had to every time there was a change in his income we had 10 days to get it into the social security administration for any kind of change and so he got this job well we didn't let him know because he was making 160 dollars a month it was nothing. Do you know that over $65 a month decreases their social security income? $65 a month is then their social security benefit goes down. It's crazy. So unfair. Well, and I did learn from some of you moms on the Zoom calls um, that you also have to be very mindful of um, charging them rent. I, I mean, I never, it never would have crossed my mind to charge Skylar rent and <clears throat> for food and you, and part of the utilities and things like that, because they said, if you don't, um, show that he has any bills to help you use his social security money to, to put it towards those that he'll get less money than he's actually entitled to and deserves because yes. he has no bills. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I have to charge my son rent. And they're like, yes, you have to, or and that's the only way to yeah. get the best services for your child that he deserves. And I'm like, right. This system is it, so messed up. Yeah, it, um, exactly. And so Alex got the minimum benefit when he first started. And then we had, she said, when you guys decide what he needs to be, pay to be a to dwell in your house 
mm-hmm. um, let me know and he may be eligible for more benefits. She coached us so well without saying, uh, yeah. listen, you need to do this, this, and this. <laughs> she was really, really sweet, but in, in her, in her own way, making us aware that Alex would qualify for more benefits. So we had to do the very same thing. And then he got up to the, the maximum amount of benefit, but still isn't um, that much. <laughs> no, it's nothing. I mean, they could not live on their own, Mm-mm. but with that, um, and if, like I said, I don't, I don't want to lead your, your interview here, but one lesson that we learned along the way with that is make sure that at, at 18, that your children do not have any assets to their name. And that can be anything depending on your particular circumstance. But um, in our, in our situation, when the kids were tiny, we put college funds together and they were in their names. They weren't their money. It wasn't their money, so to speak, in our minds and our investment um, person's mind, but it was there under Hannah's name and under Alex's name. And we just never gave it a thought because it really wasn't their money until we used it. We knew we'd never use it for college once he got older, but we never did anything with it. And so social security came back at us just earlier this year saying, um, uh, yeah. He's got, you know, yeah. What is this money? And it had fully matured to get him through college. So, um, we had to backtrack. It was totally innocent. We felt horrible because it, they, you know, the the IRS doesn't care. They just see money in Alex's name and think we're trying to milk the system. I'm like, Oh my gosh, nothing. But all we want for social security is services. We don't even want the money, but that's what comes with it. Anyway. Um, I digress. I'm sorry about that. No, this is a very important information. It is really, and, and I'm not, I don't think this is anything any of the social security people wouldn't tell you the same thing. Just make sure as they are aging up and aging out that they have absolutely not one single asset in their name because it'll affect their benefit. Yeah. And I learned that when Skylar was little, I went to a talk um, about financial planning and setting up a special needs trust and all of those things. And, um, I was told that from the beginning, one of the reasons too, not only to affect them later in life with social security, but they're so easily taken advantage of. If Alex was able to drive or chose to drive and he got into a fender bender, uh, as soon as somebody recognized the fact that he might be a little bit um, delayed, then they could take him for everything and, you know, clean him out and that they just are trying to avoid, you know, our kids being taken advantage of. Exactly. By having bank accounts. So yeah. we never did and, that. Although I was right. told that we do have to set up a checking account though for his social security benefits to go into. Right. But right. you, um, if I'm not mistaken, you know, they just have to have, they cannot have more than $2,000 to their name. Yeah. Um, so we're very careful to um, make sure we use that money. And mm-hmm. um, it, for us, it pays for Alex's art stuff his I'm just gonna ask that. His, <laughs> and that kind of thing. we use it we use it for that and we we do use it for some of his food because he's that's a whole nother story but he's very picky and we do a lot of fast foods and things like that so we we use it for his needs and his yeah. um so it it we didn't need it um but it's handy <laughs> well yeah I mean so. and it's using you're using it for for him which is the intent right. of it it's a, right. it's a great segue um because I was going to ask you if 
a lot of his art supplies and stuff, you know, can be used uh, for that. And I, he is an incredible artist. I, I had a chance to really peruse the Alex, the artist um, page and look at some of his most recent artwork. I just, I'm always so impressed when um, I meet anyone on the spectrum or anyone with a disability that has just such a gift of something, art, music, whatever it is. Um, so, and I noticed on there that you guys, I don't know if it's just you or your husband and in, in you write kind of some blog articles about each of his piece of art or how does that all work? Well, it, this is a new website for us and neither of us are web savvy as far as building <laughs> websites and things like that. So we had it professionally done, but we do try to, um, especially with his earlier stuff, he had a couple of, um, mentors when, when we were out in Seattle. And then when we were in Chicago area that were working with him as he was younger and it was, um, more diff not difficult, but they had more challenging times with him because he pushed back more. So we, every time a piece um, comes out, we just try to uh, let people know where this came from and what emerged with this. It, you know, Alex, he, you can see from some of his artwork, he's so meticulous, which makes him very slow, but <laughs> he's so meticulous and such a perfectionist that he gets very frustrated if things don't go well. So when they do a different medium or they use a different um, style, we will try to tell the story behind how this expanded him. Because as we all know, stretching our kids is very difficult. They don't want yeah. to be stretched, but um, how they come out the other side being stretched. So um, it, uh, it that's why we do with most of those earlier pieces, um, making sure that um, we kind of just give a little backstory. Well, it's it's so neat that you're able to stretch him and, you know, teach him new things and, you know, have him use something that he enjoys like art to teach those lessons, you know, to use that as the mode to, um, you know, try to instill new things in him and, and different mm -hmm. ways of thinking, maybe different ways of working. So that's so great. How, how yeah. soon into his life did you guys tap into his, his gift for art? Well, it started very early, but we didn't know it as much because, you know, he'd do the stick figures or whatever, but what we weren't realizing what he was doing at three and four was not what three and four year olds really do. I mean, we had Hannah before him, but she didn't have any art that wasn't her thing. So we didn't even know that what he should be doing at three and four. The way we found out just real quick was one day he was very, very frustrated as he was drawing something and not being very verbal. He couldn't tell me what his, it was a big deal. He was very frustrated and long story short, we finally got through it and he got it done. But what he was trying to draw when he was four was a three-dimensional cube that we all try to do in like yeah. junior high art, you know? But all I can do <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> I don't even know if I could now, but anyway, he was trying to draw a three-dimensional box. And I was like, oh, well, this isn't normal. <laughs> like, this is, you know, he shouldn't be doing this at four. That's when we realized that he had something going on. So we just always watched him draw and watched him draw. And um, it wasn't until I think he was like 11 or 12 when we really started the formal art um, mentoring and, and lessons to um, 
try to foster that. He actually has perfect pitch and can sing beautifully too. So Aww. music and art are his things, but music is not, he loves it, but he doesn't want to share that. Art, he loves to share. He loves to do his his drawing and, and painting and um, do that. But music, he we, we are privy to it because he does it in the house, but that's not something he likes to share. So, um, so that's is, how we got into the art. Are his pieces um, for sale? I didn't get that far in to see. The, um, the originals are, at this point, we have never sold an original. Um, he gave one away to his uncle because it was a piece he did for him. But we do on the website, there is note cards. Yes, We've, I saw those. We tried, okay. we, we did, we did prints for a while, but they, they weren't the big thing. We uh, did note cards and we always went at it with, and I think you can appreciate this. Um, it wasn't about the money. We aren't trying to make him that kid that you see on the news on CBS Sunday morning or something like that, that, that Alex did all this and he's now a, a millionaire. It was about, <laughs> it was about spreading the awareness that our kids can do great things. They, yes. they can do special things. Not everybody has the art that Alex has, or not everybody has piano or, you know, all the virtuosos that are out there, but our kids can do so many great things. And that's really all it was ever about was just getting his talent out there and letting people know. So, um, yes, we have note cards and, um, they're there and we, well, we love to sell them. Don't get me wrong, but, um, they're on the website and we're keeping creating more and hopefully he's going to keep giving out more stuff. And yeah. I love that. That's so, so cool. You mentioned, um, your daughter, Hannah, and she's 25, right? She's just a year older than him. Yes. They're exactly 18 months apart. Huh. My sister and I are 17 months. We're like Irish twins, I guess is what they call us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and she doesn't live in Iowa. Right. So, um, how, how is their relationship growing up and is it still, can they still FaceTime a lot and do they still have a really close relationship, even though they're geographically far apart? They grew up close and Ale Hannah, um, they grew up very close. Hannah was very, very supportive of him and she did, she was such a good sister. Um, it has been since she's been an adult that we have learned more of what the hard she went through hmm. because we didn't realize the hard that she went through because we tried very hard to make sure that everything she ever wanted to do or be was done. She was in the Seattle girls choir. She did um, some theater stuff. She did this, she did that. She got to do everything she that a typical kid would want to do with their junior high and high school years and their activities and things like that. So she didn't miss a beat that way. It was other things that she missed. Alex didn't see her sing very much. He didn't see her do this very much. Or sometimes we had to arrange our schedule for something he did and she got left out, but she never said anything. It was just the way it was. And so it was interesting as an adult to hear her say those things, but they've always, always been very close. And as I said, Hannah was in the choir. So they sing together at home. They'll sing um, and do things and they, she gets him and he gets her. And it's very, very, very sweet. And he will still, if she calls, we put her on speaker all the time anyway. And if he comes around or if he, if she comes up, 
or if he will come upstairs, then we'll say, you know, Hannah wants to talk to you and he'll, he'll talk to her. It's not long. Mm-hmm. It's um, he, he's always there with about a, you know, three or four sentence exchange. And then he's looking at you like, can I go now? You know, so in his, that's his autism. It's not him being a brat. He loves hearing her voice. Um, but so yes, they, they remain very, very close and she still adores him. And, but now, you know, he also drives her crazy too, but that's, that's it. Those normal, always si- be. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's funny to see those normal sibling things come out that you're like, that's normal. You know, that's not I like, her, it. You, know, you know, it's like, this is normal. It's not supposed to be like this. Everything with us is supposed to be abnormal, <laughs> right? but it's, it's normal, but yes, they, um, they get along very, very well. They've always had a nice special bond and she's been truly an amazing older sibling to him. So it's so, you know, it's so hard to have multiple children. You know, if, if the rest of the children in your family are neurotypical, I mean, I go through it with Kendall and Skylar and, um, you know, you just always feel like you're not enough for each of them. You, You always feel guilty. I think that you're spending too much time addressing all the needs of your special needs child and the other one, you know, while they're involved in things, Kendall's the same way. Um, I still feel like maybe a hundred percent of my emotion and attention isn't there. Even if I'm standing at a dance competition or whatever, always with her and always dividing and conquering and I'm with her and all of that. But um, it's, it's nice. I would imagine to hear Hannah have comfort to come and tell you those things now as an adult, like, you know, I'm fine. I'm not like resentful or anything. I just, maybe it can help you understand her a little bit better to know what she was feeling and that she's gotten through it, which makes her an incredibly strong woman. I'm sure. It has really, um, it, there's no question it it shaped her, you know, as an adult and, Mm -hmm. um, and who she is. Um, so yeah. And at the same time with all of us, I think it's like, okay, not discounting her feelings, but we're a family and this is our family. Our family has two distinctly different children, one that, you know, but this is our family. So deal with it. And I'm not being cruel because I'm the most, I'm the biggest wimp there is when it comes to that. But it's like, no, this is your brother and this is you, and this is how we have to do life in this house. And, um, it's just, you know, this is the way it is. And I think that's always the way she was. It's just the way it was, you know, and she didn't lose, she didn't lose out. She probably had frustrations, but we all do. And so, um, nope, she's a great sister. She's a, she's a wonderful sister. She's a great person and adult as well. (laughs) It sounds like, well, what is her career in? If I can ask. Yes. Um, her career is, (laughs) she's one of those 20 somethings that is, you know, very COVID scarred right now. Um, she, she got her, uh, master's degree, um, finished. She went to grad school over in the UK and got it done a year ago, September. So September of 2019, she got done. So she came home all ready to get a job. So she was out, you know, applying for jobs. Her field is, um, basically, uh, global sustainability, um, and international development and her big part in there, her big interest is food security, especially for women and children. And she did a bunch of her undergrad work and then graduate work and her research she did over in Uganda because she went to Iowa State University and they have a partner, 
um, university over in Uganda that they send students over to help those rural um, villages work on sustainability and self um, support so that they can, you know, educate and feed their kids better. So she did a lot of her work over there. So that's what her degree is. And that's what she wants to do. Well, that's usually unless you want to go into corporate America and do that, which was not her thing, you go into nonprofits. Well, that's a little difficult. And then the pandemic hit. So um, she doesn't have anything. So she's in Washington, DC. And she's um, not working in her field right now, but uh, she's working. So, um, but that's what she wanted to do. That's just so interesting. I always, you know, for, for the older um, siblings and, and, you know, our, our kids too, when they're not kids anymore and they're adults, um, I'm always intrigued by what um, the siblings go into for careers of choice. There's a lot who um, go into social services. Some go into like ABA or, or just types of therapy for um, people with disabilities. My daughter wants to be a vet. And it's just, it, it's interesting how many siblings go into roles that are caring Service for others, oriented. putting mm -hmm. other people ahead of yourself, you know, making the world a better place, all of that. I have to think that it has to be some of that impact from growing up with a child that was um, with special needs in, a, in unique family situations, make them mm -hmm driven to do those things and to make the world a better place. Yes, it, it is. Um, she always wanted to go into hospitality and work. She we're, we're big Disney people and she always wanted to work for yeah. Disney. And then about her sophomore year in college, she's like, oh, she saw this rural sociology, global sustainability, global resources. She's like, there it is. That's what I want to do. So, Aww. and she loves it. She just, she just doesn't have a job in it right now. We're hoping with the new administration and the, and hopefully emerging from COVID, some of those DC NGO or even governmental agencies will add positions and she can find something to do that. And you never know who's listening to this podcast. They may have a connection um, in that yeah. field <laughs> that yeah. they can reach out to you and say, yeah. Hey, you Give never my know. email. <laughs> but exactly. She's, uh, you know, we're biased as her, as her parents, but you know, everybody she gets in contact with, it's like, why doesn't this girl have a job? She's like, well, you, you could give me one. <laughs> so we know, we know she's worthy. It's just, she's got to, you know, it's, you know, pandemic shut everything down with that kind of thing. So yeah, she's, Right now she's a nanny. <laughs> so oh, well, still, I mean that that's hard. Yeah. That's actually a yeah. really oh. hard job. <laughs> I wouldn't want it. it. Uh, no way. No way. No way. Oh my gosh. Well, um, you know, I we talk a lot about uh, our kids, all of them, and um, raising them, and and now that both of your kids are adults, um, do you have time to, to devote to yourself and to doing things that you enjoy? Or maybe you had that opportunity when the kids were growing up um, for you to get some uh, respite for yourself and um, just kind of get away. Were you able to do that? And are you able to do that now? You know, when the kids were little, um, we had beautiful daycare for them in a in-home daycare setting couldn't have asked for anything better. And the first time I got away from the kids was when I think Alex was two and um, we were able to go away for a weekend. But otherwise, 
we just, I mean, not woe is me. It's just the way it was. We didn't have support. So it was not, and Jim traveled a lot. So it was me and the kids a lot. And that's just the way it was. So I would say, no, there wasn't a lot of time for real self-care. Um, but the good thing is that financially we were fine. So I got to stay home and there was, we did not have that financial stress that so many of our fellow families have. So did I get to take care of myself in the way maybe you're talking about, but no, but we had it pretty darn good. And then now um, we, yes, I'm very, very fortunate now with Alex being the way he is. And we have been able to tap into former teachers or friends that will stay with the kid, would stay with the kids, will stay with us so we could do some traveling together. And then now Jim is retired early, but we're still young um, that we can be on the go and we have people that will take care of Alex. For example, this weekend, we are going to Hawaii. Right, I and, heard. Yes. <laughs> I'm <And> jealous. <laughs> Alex, we asked Alex, I'm like, buddy, do you want to go? No, he didn't want to go this <laughs> time, which is obscene, but he declined the offer. But we have, a niece. <laughs> we have a niece that is in, in um, virtual grad school here. And so she's working and going to grad school, but she is going to watch out after Alex. And we are very, very fortunate that he can stay overnight here by himself. He needs supervision. He needs people checking in on him and we will always do that. But he is fine here by himself because he will be safe as far as destroying the house or trying to go away or going and lighting the stove, those kinds of things. He's very safe here. So we can do that with clear conscience. And my niece will be making sure his he's watered and fed, so to speak. And <laughs> she's going to come and take him to work and, you know, just watch out after him, but she will not be staying here every single night. She'll let him be by himself some. So yes, I mean, we have it we're very, very fortunate to have uh, support now and um, the ability to, to get away. Or sometimes we take him with us, which is still easy because he's easy to have around. He just wants to hang out. So, um, so now, uh, I, as I always said, all my, if I ever complain, somebody slapped me because we had, <laughs> we've always had it. I mean, it's been hard, but as far as, um, it's been, it was very, very hard, but not, you know, it, it, we were fine. So yeah. And I get that. And I get that perspective. Um, for sure. I mean, I, I hear from people all the time that, um, their living situation is nowhere near, um, as chaotic or stressful or overwhelming as other people that they meet along the way or that uh, that I have on as guests and it we all have such a unique journey with this um our kids are all so different even though they're all diagnosed with the same um autism spectrum disorder but um you know it, it definitely doesn't downplay there are definitely hard times for all of us um you know and I I love the fact that Alex is so easygoing with you guys and he likes hanging out with you and all of that. I mean, I can only dream that Skylar eventually in our retired years <laughs> likes being around us. I think right now he's tired of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's only been spending time with us and we can't really find respite and people to hang out with him. But I'm hopeful that um, as we continue to tweak medications and 
do, do different things that his behaviors calm down a little bit once we get it correct. And um, that he'll be, there'll be more people willing to hang out with him um, because he's not yeah. such a handful. <laughs> right. So. And that has been huge for us is, you know, that Alex's behavior now is much more predictable when he was little. No, it wasn't. And we had the hours of trying to figure things out or what have you, you know, no need to lament on that. But now my niece can be around him knowing that he's not going to fly off the handle or he's not going to, um, he's, he gives it to us, but he won't give it to other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, that's kind of a perfect segue to, um, what I wanted to ask you about, uh, kind of in closing, you had written a piece, um, and again, I love your writing, so please keep doing it, but um, that was titled, Dreams Don't Die, They Just Change. And I, that really hit me hard and in a good way. Um, I've felt the same way for years, and, it, and I finally wrestled with that thought process when Skylar was probably like seven or eight, and I got over all of the plans that I had made, you know, from when I was pregnant with him and all of the expectations that I had put on this child that, you know, wasn't even born yet, um, the sports he would play, the things he would do, the career he would have, like, I think most parents plan all that stuff out. Um, and you really have to look inside and, and come to grips, I guess I would say, with um, exactly what you said, you know, that the, our dreams for our kids never end. We always are dreaming for them to have the best life possible and to accomplish as much as they can and want to in their lifetime. So you just have to revert your thinking and meet them where they're at and then help them grow. So, um, you know, with you writing that article, what, what was your um, interpretation on that? And, and, and writing that article, what did you want to kind of get across to maybe parents who have younger kids um, that are newly diagnosed or they're, starting to enter the teen years and they're kind of feeling lost and that they're, you know, they don't really know about the future of their kids. Is there anything you can kind of share that you've learned all these years? Yeah. Wow. That's a loaded question. I know. Um, yes. <laughs> but you know, it's very strange and I'm going to sound um, self-righteous or there are going to be people that are saying, she doesn't have a clue and I don't have a clue of your journey. Um, and I don't have a clue of their journey. I only know ours, but one thing that, um, through this, uh, big group that I'm a big part of now with autism moms, that the mourning and the grief that goes on, which is totally natural. I would never discount that, but it broke my, it breaks my heart to hear people staying there yes. in that grief and where they are and their life isn't the way they wanted it. I just want my life back. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging anybody for that. Don't ever anybody think that I am. I just know from our journey coming home with a diagnosis and going, okay, what do we do now? And watching Alex in the most beautiful, sweet way he is that it was going to be okay. It was just going to be okay. It just wasn't going to be the way we thought it was going to be. And once we got there, 
then we just let him lead the way. Let yep. him tell us what the journey is going to be. And he has led us on an incredible journey. And this sounds all like butterflies and roses. It wasn't, but it was still an incredible journey. And he has taught us more than we could ever have taught him because mm -hmm. he sees, and we all know this, we, our kids see the world through a different lens. It's pure, it's innocent, and it's earnest, and it does lack a big filter, that's for sure. But it is, an, it is a great view of the world. And so going on this journey and living life with him, while it's very hard, it has opened our eyes to the beauty that they see the world, they just see the world as it is. They don't see black, white, fat, skinny, rich, poor. They see none of that. And so we have tried to let him lead the way and see the world through his eyes. And it's been a, it's just, so that's how we got rid of, not got rid of, but dreams don't die. They just change all of a sudden. Yes, no little league, no driving, probably, well, no marriage, no, you know, no, it's not going to happen. But what is? We don't know, but there's going to be great things. Sounds very simple, but it's just the way we saw it. It's just simply the way we saw the world through his eyes. No, I agree with you. And I don't feel like you or I or anyone that's further along should feel the need to filter. I think maybe people sometimes think that I have unrealistic optimism where Skylar's concerned. You know, I'm always trying new programs like the spelling I talk about quite a bit right now that we're doing. Um, I will stop at nothing to help him communicate or, you know, in the way that he chooses and to meet him where he's at, like you said. And I've since, you know, given up trying to teach him to mold into the world as it is and the way that we do things. And I'm trying to take a step back always and look at him and say, okay, maybe he needs me to do it this way. I mean, it's the simplest of tasks, but if you really stand back and observe your children and the way that they hold the toothbrush, the way that they take a shower, the way that they do things is not in the order or the way that we do it, that the world says you have to do it this way because that's how we all have learned to do it. I, I lost a lot of that grief that you're talking about and a lot of the anxiety um, about his development and his future when I finally just stepped back and met him where he was and tried to do things the way he does them. So, you know, if that's crazy optimism, you know, I'll take it. That's fine. <laughs> I don't, it, it, I definitely don't it, live in unicorns and rainbows world. No. Either. We have a lot of bad days, but for the smiles and the giggles, the banging is worth it. It, it really is to see him happy and thriving in yeah. his own way. So it really is. And it, it, the other thing that I would say to that of us going through the grieving stages of what our lives had looked like coming home from the hospital with those, our kids versus where they might be at three at six and on is that this is going to sound harsh. Be careful what you wish for, right? Because we don't know what life is going to deal with us if we have the neurotypical child that comes down with leukemia mm -hmm. or we have the neurotypical teenager who finds drugs we don't know what lies ahead with any of our kids and right. so it just it just 
as simple as it sounds, it is what it is. It is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. And it can still be very beautiful. Yep, you are right. I even mentioned something similar to that in my book when I said um, that <laughs> at least I don't have to deal with my kids fighting about who's going to take the car and about who took t- took too long in the bathroom getting ready and, you know, the bickering that goes on, you know, to some families, that's probably so annoying. Um, I'd love to hear some of that, but we won't. <laughs> so I guess I can right. count my blessings that they're not arguing with each other. <laughs> so Exactly. There's I'll give take and take it. and there's good and bad and there's a silver, silver lining in most every circumstance. So yeah, I wouldn't I trade agree. him for anything and I wouldn't, I would not take away his autism. I can tell you that without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And that's hard for people to hear. I think, you know, it is when we say, you know, that there's a a blessing in disguise with some of these things um, that, that hits a nerve with a lot of people and that's okay. We all don't have to agree on how we parent or how we accept the diagnosis of our kids. But, um, you know, that's just how I choose to look at it as well. I'm, I'm on the same page as you. Maybe yeah. it's because we've been at this a long time. <laughs> it, it could be, it could be. And we've come out the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, Lori, we've come out that, I mean, you're still there, but we've come out the other side uh, from the, the mom that has that five-year-old that just smeared awful things all over the bathroom wall uh-huh. or the mom that has scars and scratches from the stuff. So that's a whole different thing. We're on, we meaning me, I can't say for you, but we are on the other side of that. We're, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, came through and it's all, it's, it's 95% great. So, yeah. Yep. And we're here. <laughs> that's the whole exactly. point. Is, you know, for all of you that are not there yet, if you get there, great. If you don't, that's okay too. But you have resources in us because we've probably been through the puberty years and all the things that you're about to go through um, similarly. So reach out anytime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I, so. I so appreciate your conversation with me today. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow on a Zoom call and learning from more moms like you um, with adults on the spectrum. So um, I will link up your social media so people can reach out to you directly um, and follow Alex, his artist journey with the Alex the Artist uh, website that you have. Um, I encourage everyone to check out his art. He is so gifted. I just, it makes me happy. The colors he uses and everything that he paints just makes me smile. So you can tell him that. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for the opportunity to tell our story and, you know, hopefully, hopefully give some hope and provide insight for people. It meant, you know, it was very sweet of you to ask me on. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day, Amy. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and will tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.